On many occasions, I made some quite powerful people very angry. But you don't shame them into changing their behavior, though, do you? I'm Commissioner for Human Rights, and my mandate is very clear. Europe has almost nothing to teach the rest of the world about human rights, does it? This is not black and white. This is not easy. The Council of Europe has issued its latest verdict on human rights and democracy in Europe, and it makes unpleasant reading. Europe's democratic environment and institutions, it says, are in mutually reinforcing decline. We talk a lot about democracy and human rights on this program and spend a good deal of time holding politicians to account for actions that appear to endanger those rights. But the situation is now so critical, we've decided to question a leading official who's trying to protect human rights about why that protection is failing. Dunja Miatovic is Commissioner for Human Rights at the Council of Europe and she joins me now from Strasbourg. What is it that's gone so spectacularly wrong? Dunja Miatovic, welcome to Conflict Zone. Thank you. Two months ago, you pressed the emergency button on human rights in Europe. You said 2020 had been a disastrous year for those rights on the continent. One of the bleakest assessments to be heard for a long time. Do you think anybody is listening to your warning? Well, I hope so. Um, it is something that is affecting us all, um, no matter which part of the world. And if this is not a moment uh, for all governments in Europe and beyond uh, to take a long, hard look uh, in the mirror and uh, realize how important it is that we move forward uh, in a different way than we've been moving uh, until now before this unprecedented time that we are all uh, facing. What, uh, I, I wonder I if people are listening because um, plenty of your warnings in the past have fallen on deaf ears. One example, the issue of migrant abuse in Hungary as far back as 2019, you said this needed to be addressed as a matter of urgency. Nothing was done. The Hungarians continued pushing back migrants across their border with Serbia. My question is, why? Do you think you lack the personal authority to change minds of people who do these things, who commit these violations? Or is Hungary a lost cause? Well, I would not say that the Hungary is lost cause, first of all, because of Hungarians, because of people that rely on the protection of the convention. Uh, when it comes to my personal uh, influence and the impact, the time will tell. Uh, I cannot change the governments. Uh, I cannot play to be an opposition. Uh, but I can use something that is the most, I would say, powerful tool uh, in my toolbox as commissioner, which is my voice giving my voice to voiceless, making sure that uh, human rights violations are documented. Uh, and this is something that is already, I would say, uh, extremely uh, important. The impact can be measured in different ways, but many of us in different international organizations have been saying for years uh, about Hungarian situation and also in situation of many other countries that are moving in a very bad direction, if I can say so. Freedom of media, for example, comes to my mind already in 2010 in a different position. Uh, I warned uh, about so-called media package and I said this is going to hit us as a boomerang. And this is happening right now. 
Um, nevertheless, uh, we should not give up. We should continue uh, warning and using all the tools that we have at our disposal. But ultimately, it will be a decision of uh, Hungarians uh, and also the government uh, that should comply with the international uh, uh, rule of law and uh, standards. Well, it isn't just Hungary, is it? There are plenty of states um, that are involved in these violations. Um, you often hear the claim that human rights must be sacrificed for the sake of protecting national or European boundaries. What do you tell those governments which, which advance that argument? I strongly disagree uh, with this. Uh, I think this is a wrong path and wrong way, particularly after everything that Europe as a continent experienced in the last decades and uh, 70 years ago when the organization of the Council of Europe was uh, established. This is not uh, the way to protect multilateralism. Multilateralism uh, proved to be uh, of extreme importance, not only for democratic countries, but also countries that are trying to move towards some democratic uh, order. As you know, I come from Sarajevo, from Bosnia and Herzegovina, and I know how it is important to move forward and recognize the international uh, issues. At the same time, of course, protecting culture, tradition, but not using it uh, as an excuse not to protect human rights. This is wrong, and uh, because of this view, uh, on many occasions, I made some quite powerful people very angry which in a way is part of my, you, my you, job. You made them um, angry, but you don't shame them into changing their behavior though, do you? Well, I try to shame them and name them, but then at the end, you know, it really depends on the government what they will do. As I said, I cannot, I'm not an opposition, uh, political opposition, I'm commissioner for human rights and my mandate is very clear. It was created by those states in order to remind uh, it is quite, uh, I would say, a young institution, 20 years uh, since the establishment, but it's also quite unique because it is autonomous, independent, and it is up to the commissioner to decide in which direction to draw the attention and to call for respect of human rights. Of course, I agree with you. This is not black and white. This is not easy. We would all like to see results. I understand, Commissioner, I understand. But key to the effective functioning of the Council is the binding commitment, supposedly, of member countries to implement decisions of the European Court of Human Rights. That, too, has been a significant failure, hasn't it? Your own figures show it. As of January this year, a staggering 45% of the leading judgments from the Court finalised in the last 10 years have not been implemented. That's a shocking figure, isn't it? It is a shocking figure, but at the same time, we also need to recognize that uh, many decisions, you know, they were implemented and there are states that still do honor their commitments. Uh, this is quite extraordinary, uh, what we are facing at the moment. And here I can just mention cases that are affecting people's lives. Uh, I can uh, really uh, refer to the case of uh, Osman Kavala, uh, who I visited uh, um, in Silivri prison um, two years ago. He's still uh, in prison, e even though there is a judgment from the European Court of Human Rights and Turkish government is not implementing this uh, extremely important judgment. Uh, Navalny in Russia uh, is another uh, I, I want to come on and I want to talk about Russia and Navalny um, in, mm -hmm. in a moment, but, but these rulings 
um, are your most important tool for correcting injustice and governments are throwing huge numbers of them in the bin. And my question is, if, if that doesn't work and that's your major lever, your major mechanism for righting wrongs, what have you got left? Um, I think it's, and I would correct you there, it's one of the mechanisms. Of course, it is extremely important one. I can always uh, um, present third-party intervention, uh, like I did in many of uh, the cases that we already mentioned. But then it is ultimately, you know, with the states and also the Committee of Ministers of the Council of Europe that is monitoring uh, execution of the judgments of the European Court of Human Rights. For me, there are other tools uh, at my disposal, uh, bilateral uh, discussions, but also uh, seeking access uh, to prisons in order to uh, really try to understand the situation that in some states is extremely uh, complex. But I agree with you that the execution of the judgments of the European Court of Human Rights is a key. Uh, and that is something that, as the organization, uh, we need to, to do more. More needs to be done on the political level. Uh, we need more, you know, uh, governments that are willing to, to name the states that are not uh, really... Um, they seem to be in short supply, those governments. You, you have pointed out that COVID, the COVID pandemic, has accelerated the decline of democracy in Europe, with governments acquiring special powers that have served to erode the checks and balances on them. But this process has been underway for a long time. As you said on April 21st, commitment to upholding human rights values has been faltering all over the continent for several years. So during those years, there should have been time to stop the slide, no? Why wasn't the intervention done much, much earlier when the pattern was seen and identified? Well, that is a you know, question of a million dollars for all of us uh, to answer and also to ask ourselves, why are we facing this uh, situation now? But should I the think, major powers know, have done rights. more? Should, should Germany, France, UK, I mean, they all claim to value human rights. All should of, they have done more? You know, all of the states uh, should have done more. Uh, but when it comes to human rights protection, I would say, you know, based on my career and everything I did, I see it not as a, as a sprint. Uh, um, it, is a, is a, is a, it is a marathon, I would say. It is difficult uh, uh, to, to see results. Results require time, but I think the commitment is a key here. And but a lot of victims up. don't have time, do they, Dunja Miatovic? A lot of victims they, are living in appalling conditions. Appalling yes, human rights true. abuses are being I'm visited on with them. Many, I'm visiting uh, many, but there are also results. Uh, only yesterday uh, I, I learned uh, about a uh, decision by the Czech uh, uh, parliament to compensate uh, Roma women um, that suffered sterilization in the 90s, uh, which was uh, part of, of my work and engagement with the parliament and the government. Justice is also very slow, uh, but it is important that we see it at the end. Uh, and I agree with you, there are many victims, there are many parts of marginalized parts of the society uh, that are waiting for uh, impact and waiting for their help. For, for the help from the is, is, isn't community. it isn't it true commissioner that um, business in a way is to blame for this faltering commitment that you've spoken about this idea 
for instance, that Germany always pushes, change through trade. You get the trade, but in terms of human rights, nothing changes, does it? Look at the deals with China and Russia. No leverage on human rights whatsoever. This was especially true of the controversial Nord Stream 2 gas deal with Russia. No human rights considerations were allowed to get in the way of that, were they? This is, this is a, a lost opportunity, isn't it, to push human rights? Of course, uh, each time uh, human rights are not in the center of uh, any kind of discussions, uh, we fail um, and we move uh, backwards. But at the same time, I think this should also be a sign to all of us working in human rights area, not to um, really uh, be um, in, in a way ignorant uh, to these happenings. Of course, we, we do follow everything, but uh, my work and uh, my mandate uh, gives me, you know, many opportunities to raise these questions uh, with the governments, with the civil society in many of the states. And for me, uh, dialogue is a key as well. But also at the same time, you know, quiet diplomacy. Uh, but the dialogue has to get somewhere. The dialogue has to get somewhere, doesn't it? And, and, and looking at your report, Europe has almost nothing to teach the rest of the world about human rights, does it? You said in contemporary Europe, human rights defenders are killed, abducted, jailed, harassed. The space for civil society dwindles. Democratic institutions are dismantled. Independent judges removed. Journalists are silenced. By pointing to all that, you've effectively demolished the idea that Europe is some kind of beacon of human rights, haven't you? It isn't. It isn't anymore. It doesn't well, deserve the title. I would, I would still say that it is. Uh, there are many things that we should not uh, take for granted and forget that, you know, millions of, of people have become free from uh, oppression, uh, poverty, free to live the life they want. So it's not uh, as black as white and, and you just portrayed it. Europe looks much better. 15 years of steady decline of observance of human rights and democratic principles. That's nothing to be proud of, is it? No, that's nothing to be proud of. But as I say, there are still uh, examples of uh, governments, uh, you know, really accepting refugees, doing great things for, for human rights. You, you mentioned Russia. Let's take a state that doesn't appear to be committed to those rights. Um, like all member countries, Russia agreed to be bound by the rulings of the European Court of Human Rights. But in the case of the opposition leader, Alexei Navalny, which you mentioned earlier, Russia has clearly flouted the orders of the court, hasn't it? The court said in February Navalny should be temporarily released from jail because the government couldn't provide sufficient safeguards for his life and health. Russia's justice minister called the ruling unenforceable and threw it in the bin. Where does that leave you? Well, this is a clear disregard uh, of uh, human rights and international uh, obligations. Uh, Navalny case uh, is an emblematic uh, case. Uh, this also shows that uh, um, beneath, you know, there are many more problems like uh, lack of independent judiciary in Russia, uh, human rights abuses in, in Chechnya, lack of investigation, uh, repression of uh, dissent and harassment of human rights defenders. So it's not just Navalny. Navalny is just one case uh, where we see that uh, Russian Federation is completely disregarding the decision of uh, the European Court of Human Rights. But I still uh, remain hopeful uh, that he will be uh, soon free and that Russia will show 
that there are uh, important uh, one uh, member of the Council of Europe. This well, is I, I wonder, I wonder what your hope change. is based on, uh, Commissioner, because the Russian state also called the court's ruling blatant and gross interference in the judicial affairs of a foreign state. Now, that one statement undermines the whole yeah. basis on which countries belong to the Council of Europe, doesn't it? The fact is, if the Council does nothing about this, then countless numbers of people in Russia and elsewhere will conclude that you're simply not capable of enforcing the requirements of Council membership and standing up to tough and abusive governments. Isn't that right? Not really. Uh, it is not that uh, uh, simple. Uh, it is uh, up to the government to implement the judgment. It is up to the Committee of Ministers uh, of the Council of Europe to push for the execution of the judgment. Uh, we have to keep the dialogue uh, with the authorities also in difficult uh, situations. And it is not because of difficulties that we uh, give up. Uh, on the contrary, I think this is also a moment for the Council of Europe uh, to do more than ever before. Uh, and with all the institutions and all the mechanisms that we have at our disposal, I think at the end we will succeed. Uh, but this cannot happen uh, overnight. At the same time, I completely agree with you that uh, not executing judgments of the European Court of Human Rights is unacceptable. And all the countries that are really uh, not doing it should be uh, called uh, publicly. And uh, really, uh, you know, we should try to do as much as we can in order to uh, continue pushing for the release of people that are sitting in jail and are innocent. Commissioner, unacceptable is, is an overused word internationally, isn't it? It's normally meant to um, cover things that are, we've already accepted but wish we hadn't. Um, Russia has faced credible allegations of attempting to murder not only Alexei Navalny, but a former intelligence officer, Sergei Skripal, and his daughter in England in 2018. And they actually are accused of murdering another former officer, Alexander Litvinenko, in London in 2006. Um, Russia denies all these charges, but these are credible allocations and it still has its seat in the council. Odd, isn't it, that despite these allegations from a European body, it's still allowed to keep its seat in a body that promotes democracy and human rights. Why is that? Why is that? I mean, this is not really a question I can answer, uh, because not only Russia, but all the states uh, um, uh, are sitting in international organizations. They have a seat uh, in the Security Council, at the UN, uh, the OSC, uh, including Council of Europe. Uh, my role is not to make a judgment if the state should sit in, um, you know, as a member or not. Uh, this is definitely outside, you know, my mandate. But uh, what is it is in my mandate is to remind uh, those states uh, to comply with the commitments and uh, uh, to honor the values uh, and that they agree uh, upon when they became members of different uh, international organizations. Nobody pushed Russia or forced Russia to become member of the Council of Europe or any other country. Uh, why do we see that uh, not only Russia, but many other countries are simply ticking the box and saying we are proud member of this and that organization and not doing anything? It's a, it's a huge question uh, for, for all of us. But this, this you know, club I'm, of I'm yours, this, this Council of Europe, uh, the problem is it gives many governments a cloak of respectability that they don't deserve, doesn't it? 
like as I said, you know, being member of of the club, uh, you know, it's an honourable thing. But if you do not follow the rules uh, of the club, then you know this is something that should be um, uh, exposed. And the seat uh, in the council, uh, I think, is important to say. Uh, is to ensure protection of the citizens, not the governments. Uh, we work for for uh, the people, excluding people uh, because governments behave badly would leave uh, people without protection, which is the last thing I would like to see as Commissioner for Human Rights. Engaging with the ordinary people, marginalized people, is is a main issue for me. Well, you're doing you're doing a lot more monitoring than protecting these days, though, aren't you? You're not you're not protecting not really. the people in Turkey, for instance. Last year, nearly 26,000 people were in jail awaiting trial on terrorism charges that continue to be widely misused and uh, used, in fact, to restrict free expression and association. They're not protected, are but, they? Uh, no, I mean, they, you know, you're, you're wrong here. Uh, you know, protection means much more than just, you know, saying, okay, I'm just going with a sword and I'm going to protect all those people. No, people in Turkey do feel uh, they are protected uh, by uh, my office and me personally. They see um, my office as a oasis uh, where they can complain and, um, you know, seek protection. And this happened on, on many occasions. I was given access, as I already stated, to prisons to see Osman Kavala and Ahmed Altan, who is released now. Um, and I do try to engage with Turkish governments, uh, government on the issue of human rights defenders and journalists and uh, numerous uh, cases uh, before the court. Uh, but it's not an easy task. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it is honorable and, uh, it gives me even more energy to, to engage and to try to help uh, people. Helping one individual can also change uh, a lot um, in, in um, any country. But you rightly uh, stated uh, previously that at the moment we do not live um, in uh, a good time for human rights. Human rights are neglected, uh, pushed under the carpet by many governments. Uh, Ultra-conservative groups are targeting um, um, civil uh, society and human rights defenders. And uh, this is a sad reality. Why are we facing this uh, situation? Um, as I already said, it's a question for the scholars. Uh, nevertheless, we need to continue working. Well, it's also a question, um, you can't just blame the governments, can you? What about the people who put them there? What happens when free elections empower politicians who then take away their rights? What then? What then? Well, the, 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 the question is also, uh, were the elections always free and fair? Uh, it's not the case uh, uh, all the time. Uh, you have many reports from credible international organizations, uh, including Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, stating that certain elections in certain states were everything but not free and fair. So you end up with the governments uh, that want to stay uh, forever, neglect human rights, uh, and this is something we should not allow. Um, I have a, a mandate for 47 member states of the Council of Europe and differences are huge, but no state is immune to uh, violations of human rights. Uh, and uh, documenting this and pointing out and working together with people can bring results, not overnight. But, 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 the, fact, but the fact is the autocrats are winning, aren't they? Uh, when you look back through the centuries, it's repression that's the enduring constant, not democracy. 
and now that repression is back with a vengeance and we have to face that fact, don't we? Yes, that's uh, that's true. But I would not say that the autocrats are winning. There, there are examples um, and uh, we should listen to different voices in the society, uh, but we should not uh, use uh, those voices that are spreading lies, uh, fake news, uh, targeting human rights defenders, journalists, civil society, in order to, to win uh, uh, votes. We should not use uh, this as an excuse for not doing enough. Uh, but uh, what I think is also important is that all international organizations should use uh, the situation now uh, and try to push uh, for changes uh, by putting human rights in the center I, of uh, government. I, un I understand, but... but but, but very briefly, if you keep sounding the alarm bell and nothing improves, and it hasn't been improving, as we pointed out, over the last 15 years, it's been a steady decline, the danger is that people are going to stop listening, aren't they? They're going to stop I, taking you seriously. I agree that there was a steady decline, but I disagree that there was no progress and there were no uh, issues uh, related to rights that were improved in many uh, member states. Uh, if you look at the situation with the LGBTI community, uh, when it comes to women's rights, I mean, we are still fighting. The struggle is present, but the situation changed for better. Uh, if you look at um, Roma communities in, in many states, there were examples of, of uh, success and uh, moving forward. So it's not just, you know, completely... Uh, you know, really grim situation that we need to just uh, uh, accept this and say, okay, we failed. No, we did not. All right, Dunja uh, Miatovic, I'm afraid we're out of time. Thanks very much for being with us on Conflict Zone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.